Welcome back to the Indie Basketball Podcast, and we have a brand new episode featuring Dave Hartley of The War on Drugs. We had a great time talking all things Sixers. He's a big Sixers fan. Let's talk about new music he's cooking up, and we do another game of musician matchup with Sixers players. So enjoy. you coming on the podcast man it's yeah it's uh i always love talking hoops and i feel like you know specifically the the war on drugs is like almost has a i'd say top tier association with basketball i feel like you guys are almost known as being basketball fans yeah it's funny i don't know how much uh i mean i definitely am i I don't know it's like sort of varies person to person of course you know totally but uh yeah we're I mean, there's some of us that like football more than basketball, but yeah, I'm definitely a hoops person through and through. Yeah, man. Specifically NBA. Yeah, totally. Uh, cool. Well, you know, again, thanks for, for hopping on. But the, the first thing I like to ask people when they come on is start with a little music. And what have you been listening to lately? Um, what have I been listening to? I mean, I have two little kids, so I listen to tons of uh ABBA because oh, nice. they respond to ABBA. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog soundtrack. That's a big one right now in our house. Knuckles is coming out. That's right. <laughs> um, Raffi. I mean, in my own time, um, I'm working on a bunch of little projects right now or big projects, varying sizes. And uh i'm really into listening to the mixes it's it's funny like i'll yeah. go through phases where all i do is like li- listen to songs that i'm working on in various states because mm. i go to the gym and i get on the treadmill and that's my best time for like critical listening um right. so yeah i guess i've been sort of in a hall of mirrors just listening to <laughs> my own stuff and yeah. uh and the stuff that you know my kids force me to listen to and podcasts of course audiobooks sure. and stuff are you working on new music for Nightlands or is this uh, something else? Yeah, I am. I mean, it's other stuff too. I'm working yeah. on stuff with the drugs and, um, but yeah, I just finally cracked the seal on a new Nightlands record as well. So that's cool. sweet. Yeah. It's is, fun to get that part of my brain going again. Definitely. Is there any, um, I guess music that you feel has directly inspired what you're working on with Nightlands right now? Weirdly, I think uh, ABBA in a weird way, even though I don't think I'll ever make music that sounds remotely like it, but I, my kids respond to it so much and there's like a sincerity in ABBA. There's like absolutely no irony to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think there, there's something really powerful about that. You know, it's almost like there's no level of self-aware, you know, there's something really direct. There's like the most direct music ever. Right. Um, and also just like really shimmery vocal sounds and beautiful, the way they record the pianos are so good. Delightful. Uh, delightful. Yeah. So, um, if you're putting me on the spot, I would say there's some ABBA stuff. Um, I mean, that's gotta be excited. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ironically too, I live in Asheville, okay. um, North Carolina, and there's a bunch of, um, amazing bands 
uh, from Asheville that have kind of caught my ear and I've gotten to know some of them a little bit and they're kind of at the other polar end of the spectrum from ABBA mm-hmm. kind of really raw. Um, is it Wednesday of, from North Carolina? Yeah. Wednesday is a big one. Yeah. MJ Lenderman, who is a right. big hoops guy. I'm sure you should, you should get him on the here for sure. Yeah, for sure. He's talked hoops. Um, um, and they're the kind of actually in a similar way, like the sincerity and directness of their music is inspiring to me. Yeah. Like they, they go into the studio and they just cut these incredible records in what to me seems like a blink, the blink of an eye. They, they record <laughs> really fast and it's really direct. There's not a lot of, at least from where I'm sitting, it doesn't seem like they're like hemming and hawing very much in the studio about drum, t- drum tones, right. or tone or any of that stuff. They kind of just go in and bam, they, they just get it out it, there, get it out there. And then I listen to it. And I'm like, Oh wow. I love this so much. Mm-hmm. So I would say them as well. Yeah, I feel like definitely seeing good things from from that band, and I feel like I, a lot of people I have on here they always bring up Wednesday. I had, oh really? Um, Hotline TNT. I had Will on. Oh and, yeah, and he was raving about Wednesday because I think they just toured with them as well. So yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, kind of what they're going through reminds me a little bit of what the drugs went through eons mm. ago, kind of coming out of this really fertile scene. And then also kind of containing two two entities the way that Wednesday has MJ Lenderman and for a while right. Kurt Isle was in the drugs and yep. there's just all this cross pollination and I don't know it just feels really familiar to me I, I'm like the old guy on the side kind of cheering <laughs> them on, just spectating but there's a lot of other bands here that are uh, there's a band called Sluice that I really love. I love that. Yeah. That most recent album. I'm a big fan of that. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're awesome. Um, so, and tons more. So yeah, it's a deep scene. I was just like, Oh wow. There's so many good bands here. So that's, that's awesome. cool. Yeah. Cool. And you said you're also potentially working on some new more on drug stuff. Yeah. Just fiddling around with a few early fit- stages, early stages. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know how much I can say, but gears are definitely turning on on a couple different things so cool um but yeah i mean as far as you know the band goes i as i mentioned before i feel like you guys kind of do have somewhat of an association with you know obviously even philly you know as a city being like you know philly is we talked about north carolina philly has a huge you know i guess indie rock scene in general and almost feels like like you guys tend to be like the Every team has their representation of like their their ambassador or whatever. I feel like you guys are almost like a Sixers ambassador, like somewhat. I mean, that warms my heart to hear. You say <laughs> yeah. that. I don't know if it's true or not, but we can is, make it true. Yeah, I mean, we got to get up there and ring the bell. I mean, that's the thing Absolutely. we really want to do. Um, they asked us actually to do it, and we couldn't squeeze it into our schedule. Actually, <laughs> it was more of a COVID protocol thing. Okay, the first time they asked us, but. Um, yeah, I mean Eliza is our she's a season ticket holder and mm-hmm. when I lived up there I went to tons of games and uh yeah, I mean I I'd love to be associated in any way possible. It's such totally. a it's such a fun team. I mean, they also like rip my heart out regularly. <laughs> so we can I mean Sixers that. fans like I feel like go hard and they might it might be the most fans of any team I've had on the podcast. I think Sixers are number really? 1. Yeah. Um, so well, there's been, there's plenty of, of Sixers fans out there. And I, I mean, for good reason, because I yeah. think there's, like I mentioned, 
the scene is is there's a a lot of bands that come out of Philly, so it only makes sense. Yeah, I mean, there's. I guess I couldn't analyze it too much, but there's just a ton of bands. There's a lot to love in the Sixers world. I definitely, I mean, I've been an NBA fan since I was a little kid and I never stopped. And there was definitely like some lean years where like all my friends were, I think when you're like really young, there's kind of like a, there's like jocks versus geeks kind of thing. (laughs) It's like false dichotomy. And I, and I remember being like, this doesn't have to be this way. You know, we can, we can enjoy sports. And I always thought, basketball was like the least toxically masculine sport and also the most uh, artistic and improvisational sport. Mm. So I I was always like uh, evangelizing for it. And it was fun. Like I would take a friend to see the Sixers, even during the like brutal tanking years. Yeah. And see them kind of be like, this is really fun. I mean, it's so fun to go to games. That's kind of what clicks. I think when that's when someone starts like waving the flag, it's not just like checking the box scores and watching league pass. Right. It's yeah, like going to, going to the games. Totally. I feel like compared to any other sport, it's the most personal live experience because mm-hmm. it, there's five people on a team. It's such a small court. Mm-hmm. Baseball is, you know, sprawling. It's fun to be at in a different way, but mm-hmm. it's it's sprawling, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't I wouldn't want to throw any shade on. I love going to baseball games yeah. and uh, football games, although. The last time I went to a football game, I was like shocked at the amount of like aggressive energy coming out of the crowd. <laughs> you know, I was like, wow, this is intense. Um, People got to do what they got to do to stay warm in football yeah. games. <laughs> Drink and scream, yeah. apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing else. Right. Um, but yeah, I think the the Sixers live uh, thing is great. And we like going to games, other stadiums too on tour, which is cool. Great, great fun. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, on, on that note, you know, as a band, are you guys frequently watching games together? Um, playoff time for sure. Um, yeah. and you know, there, I can I can remember we were at a Vox recording studio when Kawhi hit like the shot mm-hmm. over at Lead. Um, we had it projected like on the wall of the studio when we were working. And yeah, I think if there's a big game, we'll have it on a laptop. I mean, not on stage, but pretty much anywhere but stage, we'll mm-hmm. we'll be following. So yeah. Man, it's, you know, it's not all Sixers fans too. There, we have a couple Celtics, oh, kind okay. of secret Celtics fans <laughs> in the in the band. Um, who we, you know, there's so there's some little bit of rivalry and warfare going on there. It's funny you brought up the the Kawhi shot because I've I've had both sides of storytelling about oh, that yeah. moment because I've had uh, uh, you know Nick from Local Natives on and he mm. he told me a story talking about you know talking with Raptors friends on tour about spoiling that moment. And yeah, mm-hmm. that, that seems to be a moment that a lot of people always go back to because it was huge. It was a huge moment. Yeah. It was definitely like the sliding doors moment for two cities. And I've actually have a lot of buds who are Raptors fans. Yeah. So. I would say Raptors are probably number two, as I said, Philly's yeah. number one mm-hmm. on, on this I podcast. See that. So. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, and what about adopting the Hornets when I moved down here? <laughs> Especially as like the Sixers kind of like repeatedly hurt my feelings, but it's just hard. I don't know if, yeah, Hornets are really going to get you in a better direction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just, it's part of my thing about how like, it's just so low stress. I enjoyed the tanking years with the Sixers go to games and we'd catch t-shirts and kind of, it's all prospecting. You're just sort of like projecting whether Tony Roten is going to be good or whoever. (laughs) 
there's no, you know, there's no, it's all just, it's all upside. There's no, you sleep really peacefully at night during tanking years. Yeah. It's just, things get really hard when the expectations start piling up. I, I, I love watching a tanking team and it, cause it, I agree. it allows you to be general manager a little bit in your mind yep. and like, mm-hmm. well, if we do this and then we're going to go up in this way, it's just, it's yeah, it's, there's a, it's a great way to speculate. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's like the ultimate irony of the Sixers is that, you know, the league was so, you know, the clutching their pearls when they just were outright tanking for years, right? thinking they were going to like destroy the, the, the sanctity of the game. And what <laughs> happened is like they galvanized an entire fan base. When they really did. Like the true fans are the ones who were just, yeah, you're right. Like basically following the the prospects of overseas players like this the way someone follows like the stock market um during the process years i mean and it also came with the phrase trust the process Mm -hmm. it's it became a whole life of its own i know yeah i sure did um so let's let's talk sixers a little bit and we could talk a little bit more about i guess how you're feeling about this season in general yeah sure Um, um well, one thing to note, I, I mean, the most recent news is what do you how do you feel about Kyle Lowry potentially joining the team? Eh, I wouldn't say super excited, um, but it's nice. He's a nice addition. Um, I think. You know, I guess this is all presupposing that Embiid comes back and we can make mm-hmm. a playoff. Um, but I think any kind of. Uh, any kind of good, good vibes in the locker room are good. I, I kind of, I feel like Embiid has taken a lot of criticism for his postseason stuff justifiably. And I think he's kind of impressionable. I think mm-hmm. like when you stick him next to James Harden or Ben Simmons, he kind of tends to lean that way. And when you stick him next to Jimmy Butler, he tends to lean, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why, yeah, let's surround him with dogs. Um, and, and let, you know, he can still be the backbone of the team. But I think he needs to have like this really strong infrastructure of uh, playoff competitors around him. So, yeah, he's good. I mean, I don't think he's going to move the needle. He'll probably be like ninth, tenth guy, but right. he's, he's pretty washed up. I do think there was a, a little bit of a void in the backcourt beyond Maxi. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's some good depth to have, I think, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he might be able to play a few minutes and you never know. Someone gets dinged up or something in the playoffs. It could It could come in handy for sure. Plus, he's a hometown guy. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Maybe so. they'll give him the key to the city the way they did, <laughs> the way they did uh, Marcus Morris <laughs> before they shipped him out. Oh, man. He got, he got real emotional about it. It was I great. Know. It was pretty touching, actually. Yeah. Um, I mentioned Maxi, and, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I'm a I'm a Bulls fan. I feel cool. like we cool. have we have the most improved player race going right now because I think Kobe White has a big shot, mm-hmm. but Max Maxi's been unreal this year. Yeah, I think Maxi has the the Vegas odds right now. Yeah, that's like Kobe a was a late bloomer. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy. I have one of my best friends is a huge Bulls fan, so we're always like going back and forth, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm pretty familiar with their. They're kind of where the Sixers were like ten years ago. Purgatory. Sort of, yeah, sort of stuck in this place, and um, I'm always trying to tell my friend like the joys of, of a tanking squad. I'm I like, know, oh, man. If they tell, if they trade I, everybody, it's it. kind of awesome. You know, it's like, yeah. so all tickets are really easy to get. The, the games are fun. Um, it just, yeah, I don't know. It's just much better than paying Zach Levine yeah. 
a, a trillion dollars to hang out on the bench. Well, you know, we had the potential deal with Pistons to trade Zach Levine. He's like, nope, let's do surgery right now. <laughs> I know. Yeah, he tried to torpedo it. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Oh man, it's yeah, yeah it's it's, but it's uh, you know, it's that that back and forth. It's I I want them to tank so bad. So yeah, it's not the right time, I guess, with next year's draft. But it's a tough it's, sell, I think, to like an owner and yeah. a, a fan base. Um, right. Especially when like bulls tickets are, it's still a hot ticket and they're yeah, expensive. So it's a tough thing to be like, Hey, we're just bear with us for a few years. <laughs> we're going to be bad on purpose. Mm-hmm. That's not an easy sell. But, um, I think if you don't underestimate your fan base, you know, they can follow you there. That's what happened sure. to the Sixers. The games were still great and really right. fun. Um, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm rooting for the Bulls. They're like on my they're like in my top five franchises just because it's through sure. friend associations. I'm also sure it's easy to root because Sixers own the Bulls like all the time. <laughs> yeah, we do seem to win a lot. Um, especially that last game was like a yeah. major blowout. Like, that the I think the year it was two years ago when the the Bulls somehow got were like the three seed. Um, mm. but the Sixers just dominated them every game because they couldn't mm. be good teams. Right. That's right. Was that the year like Lonzo's first year? Yep. It was yeah. before he got hurt and mm-hmm. uh, DeRozan like picked up his play and became yeah. kind of that guy. Um, that was they but, were they were a sexy team for a minute there. It's 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 real sad about Lonzo. It's really sad. It's he's he's kind of like. I mean, it's not sad. He's got millions of dollars. He'll yeah. be fine. But but in in the term in you know in basketball terms, it's it's a tragedy just because right. um, I do think he kind of is the linchpin of, you know, their identity with this killer defense, like backcourt mm-hmm. defense. Um, yeah. That, that short window in that year when you had Caruso and Lonzo on the floor yeah. at the same time, it was, yeah, it was, it was awesome a whole different launch. team. Yeah. It was like this, Oh wow. They'll just hound you. Yeah. So yeah, that's a tough one. So but I do he's have jogging to, now. It's like three years into the, I know he, can he, jog. he was taking shots, which that's is brutal. Good, good sign. <laughs> I guess it's just crazy. It's like three years later, I can lightly jog. It's like, right. Oh my God. Like multiple surgeries. It's crazy. Yeah. It's bad. Um, I do have to ask, mm-hmm. uh, the, the whole Embiid MVP game yeah. limit controversy. What's your take mm-hmm. on it? My take is I like, I like the energy of like, Hey, he should have been the MVP. I like taking that into the postseason a lot more yeah. than like, is he really better than Jokic? Did he get, you know, cause it's like the, sometimes the MVP can like weigh heavily upon a player. Sure. I mean, there's a lot of history of, with guys like David Robinson or Dirk Nowitzki mm-hmm. or Embiid last year, winning the MVP over their rival, getting into the postseason and basically getting spanked. Um, and that's a tough, that's a tough, like, uh, that hurts the fan base. It makes you right. feel like oh, I've been lying to myself. This guy's not actually as good as I thought. So I love the underdog mentality of like, oh man, Adam Silver, you know, robbed us of this, of his trophy. And we can take that like chip on the shoulder. So I'm, I'm exactly. fine with it. And he got, he, I don't really care. He already got an MVP. Like mm-hmm. honestly, like nothing matters anymore until we get out of the second round of the playoffs. It's all, yep. he can, you know, he could score a hundred points and that's all fine <laughs> and well, <laughs> you know? Yeah, he needs to I, like show up when it's really competitive, and because the thing is with Embiid is he likes the two. Th- oh God, I, I don't want to be mean to my the star of my team, but I think he likes to humiliate his opponent, which can be good. That's fair. 
And that's why he, God, he has, he has dominated like all the great centers of this era at one yeah. time or like Rudy Gobert and Andre Drummond when he was, uh, I mean, I think Bede kind of knocked Andre Drummond out of the like, is this guy good conversation? <laughs> um, uh, Jokic, he always plays Jokic really well. And Carl um, Anthony Towns, you go through all the best mm-hmm. centers, Embiid crushes them. Um, the guys he struggles with is when like Al Horford guards him right. or like some and ra- some random guard will, you know, Aaron Gordon will be guarding him or something. Yeah. It's just, so he needs, we need to see like a different side of his game at this point. It needs to be like a motivation, not about proving your alpha. It's just like, no, I got to win. You just have to win. Yeah. That might, might mean just passing as soon, as soon as you see the hint of a double team instead of right. kind of waiting for the hard double. Yeah. Yeah, totally for sure. And, uh, I think the, the thing with the whole situation that I find strange is that people are blaming the, the games played rule on his injury, but it's like LeBron had a quote about, you know, he wouldn't have got injured if it wasn't for this, but it's like, dude, he got injured because someone like stepped on his leg. Like it was also the other knee. It was like not the one he was nursing all year. Exactly. That doesn't really make sense. Um, I mean, I do think it's, going to be an unpopular rule and maybe this is absolutely because if if there's some more injuries we're going to see like i don't know like uh there's going to be it might be like a total you know revolt very, yeah very weird looking all nba team you know oh yeah that's true brooke and i lopez, mean like first team first team all nba brooke lopez <laughs> I, mean, I don't know well, people were He's saying good, too like uh if you look at the rule exactly like something like Ben Simmons would qualify and like stuff like that. So it's like, it's really mm. strange because he was an all-star what, like two years ago or something like that. So there's these weird rules where it's like oh, eligibility influences based on like how recent you were an all-star and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's strange, but Interesting. I mean, in my mind with this rule, wouldn't less games played impact your MVP votes anyways? Like, yeah. Is, I mean, isn't that a natural causation? Yeah, let's just educate the electorate a little better, you know, (laughs) or the voting body a little bit better. Um, I mean, usually, yeah, I mean, guys generally play 60, 70 games minimum anyway. I think the fewest ever was Bill Walton when he won a million years ago. So, (laughs) yeah, I'm not totally sure what the point of the rule i guess it's probably to motivate guys to play more because they're so they can get fans to to see their stars yeah yeah and they're trying to um sort of uh end the resting sort of load management thing but yeah i don't know it sort of seems like that's backfiring yeah a little bit (laughs) um so we got coming up we got all-star weekend do you are you a fan of the all-star game all-star slam dunk contest all that stuff I'm a huge fan of the three point contest. I think that's yeah. always the best. Um, okay, there'll be like every once in a while, the dunk contest is pretty great. Um, yeah. That famous, like Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine won a few years ago. Yep. I guess that was probably like six, seven years ago now. That was incredible. Most of the time, it sort of is brutally painful to watch. Yeah. Nine I feel time. like uh, there's there's like ebbs and flows. It's like they'll have like one really cool year and it'll be like kind of bad for a couple mm-hmm. and then it'll spike again. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. But, it's just, but I think the three point contest is just, it's so simple. You know, it's just yep. the format doesn't need, there's so many gimmicks in the dunk contest. I can't yeah. like keep track of the rules 
they change the rules pretty radically all the time. Yep. Because they're just tweaking it desperately to try to make it compelling. But with uh, the three point contest, I mean, they've added a couple, like a couple of random, like, didn't they add like a, a sp- you know, they have weird sponsored balls and like the spray. Yeah. Ball. You get like, you can do like the full rack, like right, money you balls. Place, you can place your money balls however you want. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, it's like, doesn't need a lot of tweaks. You just, right. And there's a, there's like a historical consistency. You can Google like who's, who's made the most ever. Right. What's the best round ever in the three, you know, and it'd be like, oh, wow. Like that one year, Kyrie, I think Kyrie might have the record he did for a while. Um, and I think that's kind of fun that there's some historical element to, whereas the right. dunk contest is just like, it's purely subjective. It's just, which is, that's kind of interesting that that's kind of when you start, start describing basketball as like yeah. a sport, it's almost like figure skating. It's, it's like creativity in sports. Yeah. Yeah. It's just voting kind of on like the, the, the subjective nature of it, which is cool. But, but yeah, yeah. there were so many different like uh, formats to the game. I remember there was the one, there was like the team like version one year. Like I want to oh, say really? that was like eight I years ago. Remember that. In the yeah. Yeah. We're like, you had Here. like a team of, of pe- on people and do- all dunking at the same time. There was a lot of weird elements to it. The rounds. I remember there was, there used uh-huh. to be just, it was just like much more uh, simple. And then they added rounds like tournament style. <laughs> it gets, it, it's there's variants. It's kind of cringy for the most part. Um, it's and that's the reason like our, that's the reason LeBron never did it. There's a lot more to right. lose to gain. And I think you don't have the big stars doing it. And then like, you know, that guy Jericho Sims mm-hmm. from the Knicks had like one of the worst dunks I've ever seen <laughs> last, last year. And it's like, he's not a well-known player. Right. So that's like his identity in a lot of the, in the eyes of a lot of fans is like this sort of brutal dunk that didn't go great. Um, yeah. So, but I, I mean, I'll still watch. It's like, I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, they should get rid of it. It's just sort yeah, of like yeah. a sort of a conundrum. I'm like, what do you do with this? I don't know. It's like often not great. But right. I do uh, feel like I am I'm pretty excited for you mentioned three point contest, but the Steph for Sabrina yeah, one on cool. one. That's gonna but, be very cool. That's a cool wrinkle for sure. I, I guess I do like in general, I like the carnival aspects of the All Star Saturday. Yeah, just, right. I mean, it's so bizarre. Like I mean, you know, they'll have like tributes and crazy concerts mm-hmm. and uh yeah i mean like there i think was it a year or two ago steph was just shooting like half court shots almost <laughs> like exhibition style it's like what is what even is this like he's just launching half court shots as like part of the event um it's a whole thing yeah it's it's very strange it's very, i do remember like, one post, year it's like postmodern basketball yeah <laughs> i do i remember one year there was this uh there was like a, a horse a game of horse yes Mm-hmm. It's like so strange, but like I kind of liked watching it because it was so silly. I thought you were going to say like a horse just ran on the floor. <laughs> no. Well, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if someone dumped <laughs> over a horse. So that's <laughs> hey. it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, that's right. The key, a horse. Yeah. Jokic. That you need to be. There that's right. In there. Yeah. Jokic comes riding out. Bring Aaron the- Gordon back with the Nuggets <laughs> jersey and then it's Jokic <laughs> on a horse. I mean, <laughs> I mean, stranger things have happened. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, cool. Do you have a, so I got, I mentioned the Stefan Sabrina thing. Are you, do you follow any WNBA at all or no? I don't at all, but I've been resolving to, I think I want to, yeah. I want to go to some games because yeah. 
I think that's how I, people get into things, you know, totally. like, you know, whenever I used to be like a baseball hater and then I had a roommate and he started <laughs> taking me to baseball games and I was like, I love this. Um, so I need to go to some games. Um, I have a young daughter, so it's yeah. like, I want to take her and I, totally. I you know, I'll take her to NBA games, but I also want to take her to WNBA games cause I want to mm-hmm. show that. So yeah, I got to go to the sky, uh, finals when they won and it was, it's the atmosphere really is because the people who go are so into it. Yeah. It's just like, it's almost college style probably. Right. That's exactly. What I do. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely uh W curious. Let's just yeah. say that. <laughs> cool. Uh, so the last thing I, you know, I like to have people do is there's like a little game we kind of do uh-huh. sometimes. I don't know yep. if you got to see ahead of time, but it's called musician matchups. We have players Mm-hmm. When we try and come up with like who their their musical comp would be, uh, okay, it's it's fun and silly, and I love hearing people's ridiculous yeah. reasons. So uh, let's let's do it. And we'll compare our answers because I, I okay. came up with them as well. Uh, the first one being love them or hate them, Ben Simmons. Yeah, <laughs> my comp for Ben Simmons is uh, Ashley Simpson. And I don't mean that to scorn Ashley Simpson, who I think, but I do think Ashley Simpson's career was defined by this like horrible mishap, you know, the SNL thing. And then I think that haunted her and kind of destroyed her as an artist and also probably gave her like PTSD and performance anxiety and panic, you know, because what I see in Ben Simmons is I watched him so closely, even from mm-hmm. LSU through the preseason and all, obviously all through his career and the Sixers. And that guy has, he has severe performance anxiety. Totally. Like you can see it. And I thought it's so crazy that people, people are always like, man, if he can just get back to his uh, all NBA form, I'm like, you don't understand. Like this guy is a, a, he's crippled mentally. Um, so Ashley is my sort of comparison, um, because I think she, you know, Ben, I don't know what Ben's maybe, I think maybe it was probably, you know, he was getting like the hack of Ben thing messed Mm -hmm. his up. And then obviously that, uh, that series against Atlanta was, was absolutely brutal, but he's never mentally recovered from that. That's sort of his SNL moment. Um, Philly fans can can go hard, and I made it got to him. But you know what? They babied him. Like they True. were so. I mean, it was almost like panderingly supportive. I mean, they were just like, please, you know, they weren't they weren't booing him. Actually, yeah. I mean, once he, once he sort of pivoted and basically blamed everything on Embiid and and Doc, <laughs> uh, then it was just like open season for Philly fans. But they were, right. I mean, they were like panderingly supportive of him yeah. as well as Mark Faults. They didn't, they weren't brutal. They didn't boo him at all. Um, you know, sometimes there's some like revisionist history out there where people True. think he was getting booed and stuff. It's like, no, they were, they were like overly supportive. It might've almost been like, I mean, they treated him almost like when they, like, in, uh, like the equipment manager checks in for like one play of like the mm-hmm. end of a game and everybody's like trying to <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. just, you know, like that's how they treated him. And it was right. like, you know, but he's, he's like, I don't think he has any self-awareness about that. Um, I think he's uh, built, 
built like a, a tower of solitude, you know, he's surrounded himself probably with his, with yes men, you know, it doesn't seem like anybody's giving him these hard truths about being like, um, you know, this is something you need to address. Yeah. Everybody yeah. else's fault. Like you, you know, so anyway, so I, I actually don't know whether Ashley Simpson has performance anxiety or PTSD <laughs> or not, but, but if, but I bet she would, it, it's, it's like, it's plausible that she does because that was obviously like a traumatic moment and it defined her career forever. The arc is there. I see it. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Uh, so I, you know, I focus a little bit. Like I, the one thing I keep thinking about is, is Ben Simmons still is. He's so talented. Yeah. Um, like, and I remember him coming in the league is like, you know, everyone, everyone always, there's a draft class like, oh, is the next LeBron? Is he the next LeBron? And people, you know, he, he got some of those claims sometimes because he yeah. can kind of do it all. Um, but I, the, the band I went with is actually the Stone Roses. Mm, uh, because you know that self-titled album was like huge and you Mm -hmm. could see what the future was like for them but then they got legal battles internal conflict like it all Mm -hmm. came crumbling down and and you i mean at this point you know i don't think it's it's coming back but you hope for ben it can yeah that's i like that a lot yeah um you know a good one would be a band that I can't think of one, but a band that had their the demos before their first album are considered their best work because mm. I always encourage people to go look at the preseason footage of Ben Simmons. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. And LSU he, footage. He was great at and LSU. LSU. He's like, I mean, he's just going to the hoop over and over and over again mm-hmm. and doing all this mid range stuff. And like all that's gone now. He never goes, I mean, he never shoots yeah. free throws anymore. He's scared to shoot free throws. So it's if wild. there's a band that had like epic demos and then it was all downhill <laughs> from there, that would be a good one as well. That's good, yeah. I can't think of one as well, but yeah, that, that's definitely a good comparison. All right, so second on the list, we're talking Andre Iguodala. All right, I went with uh, Nils Lofgren, who uh, you know he was in. Uh, he had a band called Grin, uh, which mm-hmm. was a great band, but he did his best work when he became more of a role player. Uh, okay, as part, as part of the E Street band. Um, so I, I, I drew that metaphor, uh, metaphorical connection because I mean, Iguodala was great mm-hmm. as a sixer. He was really, really good, but I think he was, he's a very smart guy. I think he knew like, Hey, right. I'm, I can be good and lead the team to be good. But if I'm adapt to a, you know, to be a role player, I could be truly great. Yeah. And that, you know, so, and that's sort of what Nils Lofgren, uh, did when he joined the E street band. Nice. Yeah, I feel like Iggy on the Sixers was he had like some Paul Georgeness to him. Like he mm-hmm. was that that's kind of superstar th- uh slasher, but then yeah, you're right, you're right. He definitely kind of he recognized earlier than I think most most yeah. are able to in the NBA. Which yeah, is great. I mean, some, a lot of people never do, you know. Yeah. Most most players don't actually. Most players never recognize. They kind of Right. uh they always think of themselves as the alpha. Um <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, and, and he, uh, he saw something great and he saw actually what he saw too, was that he saw something great in golden state before mm-hmm. anyone else. Did. He saw, he said, Oh man, I can be a piece of that team. Um, so he deserves a lot of credit. I, I love Iguodala for sure. Yeah. He actually I, uh, has sort of a, Le- he, he was a bit like LeBron and we've just compared both of these players to LeBron, but like <laughs> early Iguodala was very LeBron S because he would, he was, he's a great passer, mm-hmm. great rebounder. And he's just like, absolutely shredded and huge right. um so cool yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense yeah who'd you um 
I had, so we, I think we had the same uh, kind of like arc mm-hmm. reasoning, but from different perspectives a little bit. Because, <laughs> you know, the Warriors aspect I, I took as like a, I don't know, I'm not saying a negative even, but uh, I compared him to Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio. Okay. Because, you know, when he was, you know, in Alkaline Trio, great band, you know, he kind of, they kind of made that, that band, that career themselves. And Matt joined Blink-182. He did uh, a residency in Vegas with them. So he you know? sold out. So he <laughs> a sellout. I see. Uh, you know, that's just, you know. Anyway, it's funny because, like, anyone goes to the Warriors, it's immediately a sellout. But I think of all people, Iggy is the least sellout of that. You can say that well, to KD for sure. Well, yeah, the KD thing is a whole different thing. I mean, yeah. the Warriors were also, like, they were the equivalent of, like, the Thunder right now almost. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody knew they had True. great things coming i mean i guess maybe they were a little bit better than the thunder but they hadn't won any championships yet right. so um, what i do love about iggy is that he left the warriors and then he came back yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> he's like i no, mean that's where it was home yep yeah i could see him coaching someday i'm a, I'm a for Dallas. sure yeah definitely uh third on our list is the guy we talked to earlier tyrese maxi all right i got i got a curveball for this one <laughs> I'm going with Eliza Hardy Jones from the okay. War on Drugs. I'm going very Homer I love uh, it. response because she's new to our team and she is better than anyone expected or hoped, even though we had high hopes and expectations. And, but most of all, like she, her like personality is very, uh, one of her biggest assets and like mm-hmm. sort of has this infectious positivity Cause that's the thing you hear about Maxie all the time is like everybody he's obviously great. He's way better than we thought way better. I and mean, we, we had, we had right. hopes and he just like obliterated them really quickly. Um, but everybody is just like, God, he's got this infectious positivity and he's just like this, like a beam of sunshine in your <laughs> locker room. I'm like, I love this guy. We need this guy around, you know, it's like such a, it's a tough business. I imagine, you know, right. like, it's I can't you know I can't even imagine what what a strange career it must be to play basketball for that amount of money and have mm-hmm. everybody know how much money you make and everybody know how much their teammates make and be competing for minutes and shots and touches and all the strange things it's just like so much static and you have this incredible like smile and positivity so I went with Eliza who uh, brings those same characteristics to the band I love that. Delightful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and I feel like too. Um, Maxie's the guy that even fans of other teams like can't hate. It's just like yeah. that, the positivity, infectious positivity. Yeah, I mean that part of that. I do think. I wonder if uh, we're in like every player has this like point at this like period of their career before their like backlash starts. Mm-hmm. Like Shea Gilgis Alexander is there right now as well. Like everybody, it, you don't hear anything. There's nothing bad said about right. SGA, right? Yeah. Because he's just, he's just like kind of in this upswing of his career, but like it, it's coming. It It's inevitable. Sure. Every player, when you get to a certain level and you have maybe a bad playoff series or a shooting slump or something, it happens. Yeah. So I think, you know, we, we, we'll probably get to a little bit of that with Maxi, but, but you're right though. Like the personality kind of is a whole different piece of the puzzle. Yeah. It's, isn't it funny? The line between underrated and overrated is so thin. Yeah, yeah there's like no <laughs> properly rated. You just cross. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
All right. Yeah. So my my pick for Maxi, I went with. Uh, it's the same idea, Jeff Rosenstock, because mm-hmm. it's just it's mm-hmm. fun, it's energetic, fast paced. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, fast paced is good. Yep. Totally. And and a little added, his most recent album is called Hell Mode, and I feel like you know Maxi's willing to go Hell Mode at any time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love that. That's a good one. So last on the list is Sixers legend Charles Barkley. Struggled with this one a little bit. There's uh, different ways you can go with it. Yeah, I went with Jeff Tweedy. <laughs> nice. Because, because he's so Jeff is so um he's so good at writing. I mean, his books are so good yeah. and he's such a good speaker. And he's he I could see him having this like run of just acclaimed uh I mean he does have a run of acclaimed books. Mm-hmm. Um uh that it almost like can overshadow the music. It's almost like the way that Barkley, like you have to remind people like, yo, you know, Barkley from like sitting on TV and saying funny things, but this right. dude was a problem. You know, he was so good. He was so, so, so good. Um, so I, that, that one doesn't work particularly well. Cause I don't think anybody thinks of Jeff Tweedy as an author primarily, but I was <laughs> trying to think of a musician who could potentially I was also thinking of like Henry Rollins, who, you know, kind of became known more for his personality than his music, or maybe Patti Smith, whose books were so massively yeah. successful. that Like having could, a second life in their career. Yeah, but needing to be, you need to acknowledge like, yo, Barkley was insanely good. Yes, yeah. he's been very famous for a long time for talking, but, you know, he's, I think, probably an underrated player at this point. Sure. I'll, you know, I'll I'll buy Jeff Tweedy even if the Chicago and inside of me is cringing a little bit. But. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you have? So I my my pick is you know, Barkley's obviously like an all timer in his career. Mm-hmm. People always you know want to bring out the fact that he never got a ring. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that, that's a good angle. So uh, yeah, the the comparison I made is Bjork. Mm. Monumental talent, legendary, never won a Grammy. Ah, interesting. <laughs> Simple, but no, that's good. The thought of of Barkley and Bjork together just makes me laugh, though, a little bit. That's a good piece of trivia. I didn't know she has been shut out. Yeah, up. that's yeah, kind of pretty crazy. crazy. And I think like fourteen nominations, no wins. Wow, that's crazy. Definitely, I think she good did win a. I think she did win a Golden Globe though for her mm. movie work, though. Yeah, for acting. Yeah, interesting. But yeah, one. that's 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 musician matchup, and that's uh, awesome. we had some we had some good comps there for sure. Yeah, I think um, most. I think the Nils Lofgren one is probably the cleanest one that <laughs> yeah. I have, but maybe the Ashley one is the funniest for sure. Even though, even though I'm not trying to shade Ashley, you no. know, I, th- I think if what had happened to her back then happened now, it would be probably construed in a whole different way. Yeah, internet changes a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, it's also like so many artists use backing tracks now yeah. it was such scandal like oh my god she's using backing tracks right. like sometimes like, it's you should use like <laughs> lip sync like in a stadium like like yeah the sound in a stadium is not yeah, suited not, for that you should be not ideal lip syncing yep. yeah mm-hmm. but anyways that's that's wraps up the game that wraps up the episode i want to thank you awesome. for coming on man it's been a lot of fun talking great talking to you this was really fun absolutely and uh you know i Set bulls aside, I'm hoping for the best for the Sixers in the playoffs yep. for you. 
Yeah, same. I am actually legitimately rooting for the Bulls, except when they play each other. <laughs> yes. Because of my friends. So, fair enough. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me. That's going to be it for this episode. Big thanks again to Dave from The War on Drugs for hopping on and talking. It was a great chat. If you want to support indie basketball and keeping this podcast going and making more half-court sessions, we would love your support on Patreon. And that's patreon.com slash indie basketball. You get lots of awesome perks, including monthly playlists, discounts on the merch, and much more. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, TikTok, X, but thanks for listening. Catch you next time.